Are you frustrated with your government contracting journey? Do you feel like there's just something missing in your business, but you just can't put your finger on it? Are you finding enough opportunities? Are you struggling to win the few opportunities you do find? Do you have a plan of attack or a strategy for this market? Would you like somebody to review your current approach? Maybe it's time to consider getting a coach. Our team of coaches have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. We've figured out how to help companies just like you accelerate in this market. Market. If you want to find out if coaching is for you, go to federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today and fill out a coaching application. I will personally respond to your application and schedule a time for us to talk about your business. There's no cost for the session. There's no obligation. There's no hard sell or anything like that. What I will guarantee you is I will review your top challenges and give you detailed advice. And if coaching makes sense for you, I'll walk through your options. Visit federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today to get started. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hi everybody, Michael Lejeune here as your host today on Game Changers. And I'm really excited about the show today. Uh, Our guest is Peter Smith, and Peter is the co-owner and co-founder of Rise Business Services. Peter, welcome to the podcast, and why don't you take a minute to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what your company does? Very good, Michael. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be on. Uh, Rise Business Services, uh, we uh, believe there is a better way of managing information uh, a better way of managing information than through paper-based systems, which uh, can uh, uh, make up a lot of uh, the, the the business community and especially for us, the federal government. We kind of believe that uh, there's a better way of managing for the federal government and, and the public or the citizens of the United States. And, and we believe that a better way of serving that is, is to connect people digitally. So we provide uh, a comprehensive list of uh, document management services that may include converting paper-based information into uh, electronic data. Uh, it may also include organizing, categorizing, indexing electronic data, and putting them in platforms, mainly databases, that help people uh, in situations better way of finding, searching, retrieving information. And for us, oftentimes that may mean working with uh, uh federal agencies responding to freedom of information requests, uh, sometimes litigation, uh, investigations, or just normal, you know, day-to-day business. And so uh, uh, it's something that uh, we have a passion for and, and believe that there's a better way of, of, uh, uh, of working with each other, and, and that's to do so digitally. Yeah, you know, I, it, it's, um, it's so amazing to me. You know, here we are in 2017, and I remember when I was in the Army in, in 1995, 96, uh, you know, they were talking about going this route with everything and being able to scan it and search it and all this stuff. And here we are, you know, so many years later, and there's still so many places that they print everything and they put it in, you know, one of those manila folders and put it in a filing cabinet or or something like that. And I just I it's so amazing to see that when there are services like this that can scan that stuff and make it searchable and, and do all those fancy things you guys can do with it. So um, so I think it's a really 
cool service that you guys have and I'm, I'm sure it's exploding in the government now you know based on what's going on there so um so i, I am uh, i'm really excited about this episode today not just because you guys provide a really cool service and i i, I feel like we're going to learn a lot more about that as we go but this is a bit of a case study for people who are, are listening today and whether you know you've been in the government for a little while or a long while you're going to be able to hear how you had some success in this market and i think that's really important for people to hear you know right out of the horse's mouth as, as they would say from somebody who is growing a business in this market and uh, and and having success so i'm really excited to hear that and hear what you have to say about you know where your success has come from in this market so well, very good. We do have a story to tell just because I, I think, uh, uh, you know, like a, a lot of people maybe who are like us and still like us, I think the biggest challenge sometimes can be uh, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And the federal government is so vast, so big, so deep, so broad, you know, you name it. Uh, and so, you, you know, goods and services are, are being procured, but then you throw in the element of, uh, the government doesn't purchase and buy stuff like you know normal commercial business does, and so that adds a, an, a layer, an element of you know sometimes confusion, complexity, and, and it's easy to uh, turn people off away from doing it. And, and uh, uh, as we go through this, I'm sure you, we'll, we'll talk about how we how we uh, overcame that. Yeah, and and I think that's a great point. You know, there's there's a lot of people. Uh, you know, one of the companies I worked with early on in my government contracting experience was a company that had been in the commercial space for many, many years. And so they really understood commercial. And then when they they bought the division I was working with, and there was always questions like, why can't we go faster? Why can't we do it this? Why can't we do... I, it's like our company turned into, why can't we? Because that's all we would ever hear from. Why can't we? I'm like, we just can't because it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way. I don't know what you're, why you think so. Uh, but I, I think that really does trip up a lot of people when they try to make that switch into this market and they just think, hey, I can do it like I've always been doing it. And they don't even understand how the government works. So, so, so tell me, you know, my first question is how long have you been in government contracting at this point? We started pursuing federal government work back in 2009. And then we were awarded our first contract in 2010. And it really wasn't until 2014 that we really made federal government business a, a focus. And, and uh, right now easily represents over 95% of our revenues. Oh, wow. So, so you started in 2009. It took you know six months to a year to get into 2010 and win your first contract. But then you didn't really make it a focus till 2014. So I think that right there is a good timeline for some folks who hear hey, you know, this is, it's going to take a little while. We always tell folks, we think it's going to take you between three and five years, if you have no experience, to learn how to work in this market. It takes three I or think five that, years. I think that's fair. And, and we just, it, it took us that long for, for different reasons. But, uh, you know, one of them was, I think uh, when we were awarded this contract, and it was through the government publishing office, which back then was known as the government printing office. And so it's a, a term contract that uh, if people are familiar with maybe, you know, most common uh, acquisition vehicle may be through GSA and having a GSA schedule, but the, the GPO term contract is quite different. And so it's a five-year contract that says, hey, you've got five years to provide these services. Uh, and in our case, uh, we were given a list of agencies that use this contract. 
And uh, what was notable back then, and, and it you know didn't make sense to us until much later when we had it, the uh, administrators with the GPO said, you know, this contract is sort of like an IDIQ, and it's sort of like a GWAC. And, you know, at the time we said, oh, that's great. And then we went back to the offices and, and said, what's an IDIQ? Yeah. What's a GWAC? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, and so um, for us, it was, I think, uh, we immediately, there was a, a ton of business that we had to service off of the contract, meaning there were users, agencies of the contract that were already using it and active. So we had to immediately just jump in and start figuring out how to service those clients in a way that, you know, what, that, that they were used to from, based upon their experience with the incumbent. And so it just took us a while to get our arms around, uh, you know, servicing it and, and doing all things to make sure that uh, our rating was high and, and we didn't have any threat of losing the contract. And it wasn't until, you know, uh, close to over midway through it that uh, we took to heart um, people saying, hey, uh, other agencies can use this. And uh, it was only then that we started to put together a, a plan and say, all right, we still don't quite know what that means, but we're going to start marketing our services, promoting the contract to other agencies and, and see what sticks. And uh, uh, in early 2000, I guess it's 15, is when uh, so the marketing effort started in 2014, and by 2015 we had our first major hit. And sure enough, it, it confirmed everything that you know we we maybe were suspect or you know refused to believe wholeheartedly. But uh, when we uh, started working with a, a major agency under the Department of Interior, one of the the regions uh, for this agency, uh, it, it, it immediately. Uh, when I say increased our business, you know, for us, it, it, it doubled our business, trip, almost tripled our business. And uh, it was such a you know, big boost of business. We had, had initial problems scaling up because of that. But it was only because uh, you know, we, start, we made an effort to start to market this contract and started to, to believe what we were told about it that uh, kind of the synapses started connecting. We said, oh, my gosh, we are sitting on a a gold mine if we really figure this out. Mm. No, I, I I like that. And w would you consider that contract to be like the major turning point for you? Like like all the light bulbs go off at that point, and and that's when you really start to figure out this is okay. This is what we really have here, without a doubt. And and part of if if I can maybe relay this, part of the you know, the light bulbs started going on when we realized, hey, this contract vehicle, it's not just for the 12 original agencies that were listed on the contract as users, but we could expand this. And when you think about it, uh, I, I forget where I'd, I'd gotten this, but at the time we were told that there are 15,000 buying entities that make up the federal government. We're doing business with 12. <laughs> you know, and so the 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 what what started to connect with us was understanding the rules of engagement or understanding the procurement process and that's something that you know i i i will tell to my uh uh you know most um formidable competitors hey stay away from federal government you know it's too complex with the procurement process but to my friendly competitors i say figure it out figure it out because once you figure out the rules of engagement, you're on the side of knowing versus the side that wonders and, and doesn't do anything. And for us, it meant we had to actually 
uh, not just persuade people to want to use our services, but then when we got into discussions with the procurement and contract folks, we had to educate them to say, no, this is a legitimate contract vehicle that was fairly uh, competed, was uh, transparent in its process, and um, you know competitive in its nature, and you can use this. And that was a big deal for us because once we got over that hump, uh, you know, the procurement uh, contracting folks, uh, we assumed everyone knew that, hey, it's federal government, GPO, who doesn't know that? And we were, we had to have some, uh, you know, gut-wrenching conversations where we thought we'd almost lose business when, in fact, we said, we got this vehicle, you know, how can we persuade you? And it only took, you know, inter, uh, getting uh, GPO officials at the highest levels to intervene. But that was a turning point for us. And once we are able to figure that out, then we had a, a better story and more confidence in, in how we approach each new agency we talk to. Yeah, you know, I, I think you hit on something really important there for a lot of people. And I, I hope they they heard what you said. You know, I, I think some, sometimes people hear it, but they don't really grasp it deeply here. And it is you had a contract vehicle, you had the ability to go and people to just buy and yet the government was skeptical, you know, the, I mean, they didn't just buy into that, that, you know, when you walked into an agency, oh yeah, you're on this contract. I know all about that. Let me just purchase from you. And Michael, and, it's crazy. It, it, and it still exists. It still exists. Yeah. I, I mean, that is one of those things where we're always telling people, you don't just rush out and get a GSA schedule. Don't rush out and do X, Y, or Z, you know, and assume that by getting this certification maybe, you know, because people want, hey, let me get my service disabled certification and then money's just going to rain from the heavens. And you have a contract vehicle here and people are like, yeah, I don't know. And you're, you're, you described it as some gut-wrenching conversations when you had a contract vehicle. And so I think a lot of people think, you know, my huge win is going to be the day I get that contract vehicle and then this is all downhill. And for you guys, that's really when it started. Is what it sounds like. I mean, like that's when the work. Like at that point, that's when you roll up the sleeves and start working. Once you have your contract vehicle, I mean, is, is that an accurate description of it? Yeah, yeah, no. I and I, and I think maybe taking a step further, I, I think what we learned. Uh, and, and again, you know, every time we went left, we should have went right, and every time we went up, we should have went down. So it was a lot of learning. A lot of time. Uh, if you look at, uh, I, I kind of, I don't know if this is the best example, but it's like a contract vehicle is like a, a debit card, meaning it gives an agency a way of purchasing something. But if there's no money on that credit card, they can't do anything. And so it doesn't guarantee you business. It just certainly makes it uh, paves the way to do business in a in a in a, a better way. But even then, you know, for us, as just kind of talked about, uh, you know, you're you're still somewhat uh, because even for people who work for the federal government, it is so vast, so big, they don't know everything. And I just attended a, a, a small uh, conference a couple weeks ago, and I was told that there are 1,400 contract vehicles. You know, that's head spinning, you know, uh, and, and here, you know, we have one. Right. And so um, uh, it, it's it is much of an education process to persuade program people to use our services and then, you know, have to wait and see how much of a persuasion we have to have with the contracting people to let them know that we actually have a vehicle they can use. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think the debit card is a, is a good example of that. And, you know, when uh, when I was a kid, I used to be in, into wrestling a lot. And, and I think that uh, winning an IDIQ is like. They used to call, I think, the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania or something like that. The, the last fight of the night where they put 40 guys in the ring 
and they all start duking it out, right? And, and, then, and then, like, nothing really happens to you down to, like, the last three or four. I, I always tell people that's kind of what winning an IDIQ is like. It's like you're, you're in there for the 40, and then it's down, you know, people are throwing them over the ropes, and it's down to just two or three folks, and that's where you are once you've won it because now you st- – You've won the right to only battle three or four folks. That's <laughs> or, right. Or, yeah. tw- or 12 or whatever it is, right? So you, you've gone through the hundreds or thousands, and now you're down to just a few folks, and you've won the right to battle. And that is so mind-boggling for some people that, wait, I, I haven't won anything. I've won the right to battle for more? <laughs> that, that's, that's just so mind-boggling for a lot of folks. So so let me ask you, we've kind of hinted around this a little bit. What, what do you feel have been your keys to success? And, and uh, you know, this is, um, you know, the answers I give may, may uh, gloss over the fact that we made so many mistakes, <laughs> looked embarrassing, looked silly, uh, talked to the wrong people, said the wrong things. But, uh, you know, I think one of the, the things that we did is we embraced the idea of not only do we not know what we don't know, but we're going to kind of lead that with people that we talk to. So when we talk to, you know, anybody and, and everybody who'd listen to us, small business specialists, we'd say, hey, we're not really sure how this works. Can you help us? And here are our questions. We talk to anybody uh, different levels of contracting and procurement. We started, uh, I think the, the big turning point for us is when we realized that when we start talking to the program folks, the people who actually use their services, uh, that's when the breakthroughs uh, started to take place because, uh, you know, I, what we learned with federal government, there is kind of a hub-spoke model. And what I mean by that is if you just target the procurement contracting folks, they're the hub. They're the ones that you know, someone in programming says, hey, I need this. I need that. And so they say, all right, I'll go procure it, you know, either put a solicitation or whatever it is together. But if you, you know, target and talk to the spokes, the people who actually use the services, we found that we can gain a lot of traction. And oftentimes that influence uh, can can help in our process. And especially because we had a contract, it wasn't so much, you know, an influence to uh, you know, try to steer a, a solicitation our way, but as much as to say, hey, I'm a program user. I like these services. I like this company. I want to uh, find a way to, to buy these services. And that was a lot more clout going in with a program user than it was, you know, just us as a company saying, hey, contract person, when you have something that comes across this, you know, can you think of us? And so we talked to anybody and everybody and kind of, you know, started to package that knowledge uh, and use that to, with every, you know, nugget of information we learned, we used that in the next conversation we had. And uh, over time, uh, you know, we were able to settle on, uh, uh, and again, I go back to my comment that the government is so big and so vast, we were able to, um, you know, almost pigeonhole and say, all right, here's who we're going to go after. Here's what we're going to say. Here are the people we need to talk to. And it made a, a, a big universe into a, a small planet, you know, mm-hmm. because you can't be all to everybody. And once you once we figured out our narrative, our message, all that stuff, it it, it made it uh, almost believe me when I say the word easy, it's just to mean for you know, hindsight in 2020, but it, it made it such a process where we weren't reinventing the wheel with each new uh, office or region we were talking to. Hmm. You know, I love everything you just said there. It, it, it's like the crash course 
on how to do business with the government. And that is, it's really, it's out of our playbook on the way we describe it. And we got our playbook very similar to the way you did, you know, by, by a lot of those hard lessons. And I love how you said right out of the gate, being humble enough to go somewhere where you're not even sure you should be there and say, we're new at this. So you're, you're willing to admit that and say, could you help us? And I've found those two things alone will get you a lot of empathy from people. People who would normally just click, hang up the phone or say, no, you can't talk to me about this. When people try to you know, rush in like you know, the, the proverbial bull in the china shop type thing. When you're just humble enough to walk in and say, I don't know what I'm doing. Could you please direct me? Or if I, if I shouldn't even be talking to you, could you direct me to who I should be? And, and, and they're so willing to deal with you when you're like that because I think a lot of the people they deal with every day are saying you need to buy from us. Why aren't you mm-hmm. buying from us? We have a contract vehicle. And no, I don't know anything about your users, but you should be buying the service from us because I see in, you know, FPDS or wherever that you guys buy this stuff. <laughs> you know, and and I think that is the the approach a lot of people take. So if you're taking this gentle approach and being very human about it, it, it just softens up whoever you're talking to, wherever it is. So it's just a wonderful thing. I remember when we got into government contracting, I understood the software side, but I woke up one day and uh, went from, we were, in a, we were in a small company and there's, you know, people get fired and changes happen. And I was on a help desk one day. I was in the sales department another day. And <laughs> six months later, I went from in the sales department to I was the uh, director of sales. And I'd, and I'd never been in government before, so I had no clue. And uh, this was right after 9-11. And talk about being completely ignorant of the market. We uh, we said, what's the best way to get known in this market at the time? And we thought, you know what? We're going to go get the email addresses, fax numbers, and direct addresses for every top-level official we can think of in the government, including at the time President Bush. Uh, <laughs> President Bush, all of his aides, all his generals, all his secretaries. And we actually created a packet. That was about uh, 50 PowerPoint slides thick with a cover letter and a couple of other things. Put it in uh, one of those yellow envelopes, right? And sent those off to all of those people in the government. And remember, this is post 9-11, so everybody's mm-hmm. freaking out at anything in an envelope. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure I'm still on an FBI watch list at some point for doing <laughs> this. But but here's what happened because we did. Oh, and I almost forgot. We, also, we had the fax numbers of everywhere you can imagine. So I literally had President Bush's fax number to his war room. Whoa, whoa. In all these places. So I literally had this. We had, we had some people on the team that uh, were able to really gather this data. And so imagine this. You're getting this fax from us. You're getting a packet from us. And everything else happens. And we are thinking we're hot stuff. <laughs> and nothing happens for like three months. But here's what did happen. At the three-month mark, I get a letter in the mail from President Bush's chief of staff at the time, Andy Card. And it is typed up and signed by Andy Card saying, I think what you're trying to do here is great, but I'm not the right person. Here are two people that I think you should talk to about this. And it gave two generals names. And um, our business from that point on more than quadrupled. Because, yeah. you know, I, I was able to say, hey, you know, uh, Andy Card <laughs> you know, <laughs> said I should give you a buzz about this or whatever. But it was just being bold enough to be stupid 
a, a little bit. You know, go out there and just try some things, and, and we just didn't know any better. Um, and, and, you know, we stumbled through it to find out some of these lessons that you're talking about. But, uh, but being bold enough to go do some of that stuff sometimes leads to some really interesting things. So, Well, I think it's true, and, and, and I think, um, you know, you attract more bees with honey than you do, you know, Right. Uh, right. So being so taking a, a different approach. And, and the thing that I would tell people is that um, when approached the right way, uh, people in the federal government, uh, and especially I found a lot of support with the small business specialists. I found a lot of support uh, with uh, the different procurement contracting folks. Uh, they want to help you. You know, in a, in a way, it, it kind of makes their job easier because right. if they find if they run into someone who does like provide you know our services or whatever, and they're like, and and I've had enough conversations where people said, you know, this came up like three months ago. I wish I'd talked to you then, or hey, th- I know a group that's already talking about this. Um, it it it's worth the attempt, you know, and um, I, I think it, it can be understated how much that uh, if you go in with the right approach, people do want to help you. And, and I, I think for all the maybe uh, stereotypes that federal government employees have, we have not run into that. You know, mm. people want to help. They're patriotic. They, they want to do what's good for the country. They want to do the, the best thing possible. So if you go in with that mindset, uh, it, it can it can lead to some bearing of fruit. No, that that's a great point there. You know, people are generally friendly and when, and like you said, patriotic and they want to help. And when you come in with the honey, as you say, and you're being like that, people want to help you. And I, I always tell people, one of the things you also have to remember is everybody's job is always on the line in the government, literally always. And when they can find somebody like yourself, Peter, who's, you know, you're nice, you're respectful, Oh, and you deliver a solution exactly like they need, when they need it, at the price they need it. You have contract vehicles. They, they kind of circle back and go, but wait a minute. How, how did I deal with – he was super nice. He was friendly. He was – what I really like dealing with this guy versus these other guys, and I feel like if, if we have a problem, this is how they're going to deal with us, and they want to do business with people who are friendly. They just, they just do. And so I, if everything is the same, but you're the friendly person, you're being polite and you're being uh, approachable, it makes a difference. And people think what's on paper is what really matters the most. And it's just not true. So uh, I'm really glad you brought that up. So I, I don't want to get out of here here. And I know we're, we're starting to close in on our time here. I don't want to get out of here without hearing some of the, some of the biggest hurdles. So wh- what do you think were some of the biggest hurdles that you overcame while you were doing this. And I, I know you've talked about a lot of different things and if they're the same, they're the same, but I, I just love to hear what some of the hurdles were. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, every time we thought we figured something out, uh, we learned maybe the hard way we didn't, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. you know, we, uh, the, the contract vehicle we have, um, uh, we, uh, had always maybe, subconsciously taking the approach of it's better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. And so we did, uh, uh, there are specific line items on that contract that, uh, we didn't quite understand how they worked in, in the contract setting. What I mean by that is, uh, there are some things on our contract or or the the items on our contract, of course we can provide, but every now and then, uh, agency says, Hey, can you do this for us? 
And while it may not be on the contract, if it's part of an overall project, uh, the uh, government does give some leeway to provide modification to the contract to fulfill that service request by the agency. But uh, we, we took it to another level and, uh, uh, where we started providing or started talking to people that we could provide services that weren't on the contract uh, that we thought, well, we'll just get a modification for. And uh, we had an instance once where, where that proved to be pretty embarrassing. Fortunately, we had enough credits with the agency where they uh, uh, were still willing to work with us. But uh, it, it just go to show or went to show how, you know, we thought we figured this contract out. We thought we knew everything about it. Uh, and, you know, being a business owner, entrepreneur, you're, you know, you're always, uh, you know, trying to be one step ahead of things. And we thought we, we were in a good way. Uh, we found out that that was not the case. And so now it's it's uh, made us relook at how we uh, describe the contract and what can be done because people will look at our services and say, well, can you do this? And before an answer was handled one way, now it's handled in another way where we say, well, it can be as long as it's part of an overall blah, 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 blah. Uh, so that was uh, something that, um, uh, you know, we, we kind of learned the hard way. And I would say, too, that we, we uh, sat in a bubble for a long time where uh, in the sense of, you know, we talked to as many people as, as we could, uh, we, we listened, we, you know, did research, all this stuff. Uh, but a, another breakthrough that is, uh, we're sharing is we met with the officials with the, uh, in our case, uh, the Colorado Procurement Technical Assistance Center, PTEC. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I can't, uh, you know, sing their praises enough in terms of uh, I, I wish I had met with them earlier because when when you start doing government work, uh, I think the first thing you know you, you think of is well, where's the playbook? Where's the, uh, the the thing that says do this first, do this second, do this third? And uh, PTEC provided that for us and, and gave us some insight into some things that we didn't even know about. And and again, we're gaining confidence. We're doing business, doing good work, getting more work. And we thought, you know, hey, we're, we're riding a wave here and only to be uh, to be uh, in a good way, uh, you know, humble to say, wow, there's other ways of researching information. There's other ways of finding out more about the agencies, just uh, information about finding out about our competitors, you know, all sorts of stuff that, um, you know, goes into how we pursue business. Hmm. Yeah, I know that. That, that's really good. And I, I always tell people, you know, if you haven't visited the PTEC yet, go talk to them. You know, you, you just you never know. And, and it's like everything in the government. You'll have some PTACs that are going to, you know, work night and day to help you. And some are going to do their job. It, it depends on their caseload and that sort of thing. But their focus is to help you learn this stuff. You know, you mentioned a few times the small business office when you go someplace. Their job is to help you do this stuff. So, you know, why not use those resources? You know, that that's a that's a big thing that a lot of people just say, and eh, we're just going to go. We're going to find all the contracting officers names and we're just going to talk to them. And they're, they're just they're seriously missing out. So uh, I think that's some really good advice there. So final question for you. If you could go back in time and give yourself some advice, what would that be? Listen to my gut and start this earlier. You know, uh, I told you how we uh, we started pursuing federal government in 2009, and, yeah. and at that time as a business, we were, you know, waist deep in commercial, and, and it only uh, started to, um, uh, you know, in small ways do business and pursue business at least. And then in 2010, when we uh, were awarded the contract, we just dragged our feet, were hesitant, we thought, well, there's not much more to this than the existing agencies on this. And I, I think all of us uh, look back and say, why did we wait so long to really 
mm-hmm. press, you know, gas to the pedal because, um, uh, you know, it took us, you know, four years plus to, to kind of figure it out. And knowing what we know now, uh, again, we, we don't know everything, but we, we have the confidence that we can figure it out. We have the confidence that there are people to talk to. And we have the confidence that there are other companies like us who've been in the same position that we could say, well, how did you handle this? <laughs> uh, and uh, since we've become so reliant on federal government, we, you know, uh, live by the sword, die by the sword, but we're committed to it. And we wish we'd gotten uh, started on it earlier. Yeah, you know, I would say that is the one piece of advice I hear from everybody. Everybody, especially people who are successful, they're always telling me, I wish we'd have done this earlier. I wish I wouldn't have waited for this. Or they were like, they're waiting on their certification or they're waiting on something. People are always in this waiting game of as soon as we get this, then we'll start getting serious. Yeah. And and I, I think that's a really good piece of advice to just start early and get going uh, and, and start to pursue this. So a, a lot of really good nuggets throughout this episode. I think this is one people need to go back and listen to to kind of get some of the subtle nuggets uh, that, that you've helped us with here today. So I want to thank you for being on the show today. I think this is really, really valuable. Uh, probably have you on again to talk about maybe some contract vehicles or something like that. Maybe you could shed some insight on that. But uh, Love wanna, to do that. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been really great. Thank you, Michael. I enjoyed it. Yeah, awesome. Well, I I also want to take a minute to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this episode. Remember, you can find every episode on iTunes. Just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode. And last but not least, please visit our sponsor for today's episode, the Federal Access Program at federal-access.com forward slash join. Uh, When you visit the page today, you'll learn how you can get a free copy of the government sales manual and test drive this award-winning product for just $9.95 for the first month. So thank you all again for joining us today and uh, tune in next time to learn more about how you can win government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.